Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. This is Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert. On September 7th, 2016, we're here to talk about part two of my report about the Amazon Women Entrepreneurs Conference and talk a little bit about all of the um, changes that have happened in the past two weeks since we had a podcast. Um, Some pretty massive changes that affect some people um, who primarily sourced through retail arbitrage or online arbitrage um, does not affect the people who source wholesale nearly as much. So um, I have my notes handy. We talked um, a little bit about the the things that um, were done through the, um, the not the, um, the keynote session and the panel discussions that were um, uh, held um, at the beginning of the conference. The morning was a keynote and two panel discussions. One was voice of the seller and the other was the um, uh, Amazon leadership session. So those two, I think we covered pretty much in depth um, last week or two weeks ago. Um, we'll talk about a little bit more about the breakout sessions and stuff that happened there. Um, I did mention um, two weeks ago a little bit about the small and light program um, and how I was testing it and had stuff come in and sent the stuff out and all that. The stuff is um, live on Amazon now. I have to admit I haven't looked to see how many have sold or if any have sold or what the movement is on it. But I got an email about a half hour ago about the small and light program, um, which kind of makes it a lot more appealing for all of us. And it, it, it's titled, and I posted it in the group, um, Small and Light Program. Uh, my, it says, your offers enrolled in the Small and Light Program are now Prime eligible. Prime customers will receive free standard shipping. And it says four to five business days in parentheses. And then the Prime badge that says prime and then parentheses 4-5 days will automatically appear in search results that show your small and light offers. That's pretty awesome. So even though it's not two-day prime, it's still, if someone uses the filter um, on their um, search that says I only want prime offers, that means um, the small and light things will now show up, at least mine. I don't know if it's it's just that this message in your small and light. Now, whether that means everybody's small and light or um, just mine, I don't know, but we'll see. Um, I think that's, that's a big plus, so hopefully that will um, encourage more people to move to that program because you will make a little bit more money with it. And, um, um, yeah, so, Ed, um, look at your pricing. Um, and maybe there are some that you can move to $10. If they're like 11 now, because you'll be making more money, you may move them. I don't know. That's something we talked about two weeks ago. And I can't remember if it was in-depth on this podcast or on the Thrifting for Profit one. I think it was this one. Um, so, um, so there was more details about my experiment I'm doing with it and seeing where we go. Um, a little side note before I forget, since Ed is at the top of the queue in my chat, if anybody needs numbers for their house, you know, like the numbers that go on the side of the house so people can find you, Ed's got some really cool ones. I bought some from him last week and put them on the house this um, this weekend. And, yeah, very cool. They're very, very nice. So if you do need new house numbers, ask Ed about it. Um, Ellie, they announced at the women's conference that small and light would be all prime. 
because I don't have that written down because I look. That's interesting. That See, I miss stuff too because there's so much. Um, this is small and light moving to prime. So um, so I didn't know that and I would have, you know, if we did, I think if people had known that this was coming, we'd have moved stuff to small and light sooner. Um, I have other products and I can move to it and I think I might. Um, they're, they're selling right now for $9.99. Um, so it makes perfect sense if I'll get the prime badge on those small and light products. So um, I don't know how many people in the um, in the um, group have um, done anything with that business registration I talked about. Um, it's been really confusing. If you don't have the Duns, you're done in Bradstreet number already. It's been kind of confusing, but I still want to... Um, to recommend that you do it if you qualify for any of those businesses. Minority-owned, economically disadvantaged-owned, women-owned, LGBT-owned. Um, there's six or eight of them that Amazon, um, that Amazon uh, recognizes. And um, the, they were very clear at the conference, at least the guy I spoke with at the little booth table, whatever you want to call it, um, is that um, they are not requiring any um, verification, for want of a better word. You don't have to prove stuff, like give them your birth certificate for the woman-owned business kind of thing. Um, they write, so he says get in the program now where, they, where you only have to do what they call self-certify. So you only have to state and, and you know, check the box that say I certify that on Amazon that you qualify for this. Um, he says they are moving towards a more formal certification program. So, um, so that will roll out. We know that's coming, and that will be more cumbersome. So get it done now. Get your, your Dun & Bradstreet number and go to Amazon and register it. Um, I found I didn't need to do all the other um, boo-ha-ha stuff that they required. I was able to do it just by taking my Dun & Bradstreet number and going to Amazon and doing it. I didn't have to do any other reporting that other people are doing. Um, I don't know if I was just lucky or what, but there you go. Um, you do have to have a Dun's number, Nicole. That's the one thing you have to put in um, when you do the certification on Amazon. So, um, and that's, it seems to be a mess to do it. Mine is old enough that I don't remember you know, how hard it was or whatever. Um, but some people said, it's a mess. Um, so allow a little time to, um, to get that done and um, then get the registration done if you, you qualify. Um, Sean, the benefit is you show up um, on Amazon as that particular type of business. So like under my store name where it says sold, um, sold by blah, blah, blah store and ships from Amazon, it'll say, it says under mine, Women, woman-owned small business, okay? And some um, businesses have mandates in place that they have to buy a certain percentage of their items from a woman-owned business, minority-owned business, whatever the mandate for the company is. So they will be searching um, for these kinds of um, businesses. So they meet their mandate. The governments have state governments, local governments, they all pretty much have these mandates um, to buy percentages from um, from different kind of businesses to meet those goals that they have in place. So, um, so yeah, so it's definitely worth it. Um, your wife would have to be 51% owner of your LLC to be a woman-owned small business or 50.0001. It can't be 50-50. She has to be the majority. So if you can set it up that way, then you do qualify. Um, and, and you should take advantage of it, definitely, definitely. Um, because there are businesses who do look for that. And, and I've heard people say, well, I, I sell jewelry. Businesses aren't going to want to buy jewelry from me. Think of corporations that buy Christmas gifts for clients, you know, or they buy um, gifts for their own employees, or they buy um, party favors for, you know, an event they're having. Um, you know, there are so many things that we don't normally think of businesses buying, like, you know, jewelry, you wouldn't think most businesses would, but I could see them doing as gifts for clients. So, um, 
Um, so, so there you go. It's, it's worth it. And that was a big takeaway from pretty much everybody we talked to at, uh, in Seattle is that doing this is a good thing. So um, Alf, the benefit for signing up as a business seller is one, you can offer discounts to people um, if you want to, like if, for quantity discounts. Like um, I tested it with Carolyn about two weeks ago. She set hers up and I pretended I wanted to buy 20 of an item. Um, and so I went ahead and sent the request as a business buyer to a business seller um, where she could quote me what she would charge for 20 of them. So that's an advantage. And as Ellie says, definitely do it now, do it now, do it now. There's no downside, there's no fees. And this is a thing like years ago when I was telling everybody, get ungated in every category you can, no matter what, what you sell now, what you think you'll sell in the future, just do it now. Same thing, do it. There, you won't have to, you, can, you just self-certify that you meet these criteria for this kind of business. Um, and there are, are cases where you can actually certify for more than one. You know, people can. They can pick, you know, more than one. Um, there are veteran-owned. So if you were a, here's an example. You could be a, um, a gay, a lesbian, woman, veteran, uh, disabled, small business owner. You'd have four certifications. One could do that. You know, you, you need to take advantage of, um, of all of those things. So, so as Ellie says, yeah, if you're in now, it will save you half the later. They may be rolling out um, um, other things um, that you will be grandfathered into. We've seen that happen with Amazon um, um, in the past. And, yeah, Nicole's right, Native American, too. We left that one out. Um, yeah, that's another one. Um, and that includes, I think, Pacific Islanders. So if you're Hawaiian, um, you could qualify that way too. Um, so yeah, so I, I am a firm believer when Amazon has these things um, that are easy for us to do, in this case, the self-certification of this kind of business owner, then I definitely think we need to take advantage of it. So, um, so yeah, small weird woman, uh, yeah. Or bilingual um Singer, yeah, you could think of all sorts of stuff, but do it. Everybody just, first of all, get your DUNS number now first and then go in and self-certify. You will have to uh, change your account or register as a business seller. Simple. It took, takes just a minute or two to do it, and there's, there's no downside. Um, your landing page will look different. Your, your Amazon first page will start looking different. Um, but don't let that throw you. It just It's just a different look, you know, and it could change tomorrow as we know with Amazon. Um, so that's my advice on that one. The other thing I want to talk to is, is this whole Amazon um, way of working where you would think we were at a conference, what, three and a half weeks ago, um, and things have changed um, so much in three and a half weeks. And we weren't, we just saw, we were just told the tip of the iceberg of, on some things, and we were told nothing about other things that have happened. Um, the, um, the whole brand uh, gating thing is so up in the air um, that I don't think anybody really knows what's going on. I don't think. I think Ellie can vouch for me. What we learned is one hand of Amazon has no clue what the other hand is doing. One team working on something has no idea what the other team is doing. They don't. They just don't. They're in this, like, bubble, and they do their thing, and that is it. Um, I also learned that they aren't as detail-oriented as we think they are. They are not. And here's the, the, the one that I noticed. We were in the uh, – or I was in the – breakout session for um, this box contents thing that we're doing. And um, the, um, the guy who, the two people who were the hosts were like, the, they chose the wrong people because they were very low energy. Um, yeah, they just didn't have that enthusiasm that you want leaders and speakers to have. And so they, they had a 
they said a movie that was not quite ready for release about this box content thing. Um, that, but they said it's like a day or two out from being ready to go live, but it'll explain how to do the whole box content thing. And so they put it up on the screen. And the first thing, and it's, a lot of it's screenshots of, you know, doing stuff. And the first thing I noticed when they, um, when they put the first screenshot up of Seller Central, they had a red performance warning flag at the top of the page. You know that dreaded, dreaded flag that, that pops up? That was on the page of this movie they're sending out. So somebody is not, like, very detail-oriented. And so I wrote that down to tell them that maybe they should fix that. But they might not want to show that they themselves have an account with a performance warning. Um, and then the second thing is they were talking about multi-box shipments, but every example they just had box one of one on the graphics that they used. Um, there again, no wonder people are confused. You know, you at least need two for a multi-box shipment. So I told the guy this, and he's like, oh, my God, we didn't even notice that. You know, I said, well, that's why I'm telling you. Well, I saw the video after it went live, and they left it in there. So it just kind of shows that there's sometimes not that great attention to detail that we would expect from a company like Amazon. Um, I would be mortified if that went out with a performance warning flight, and that I didn't have two boxes to show a multi-box shipment in, like, several places. So anyway, um, so yeah, so we know Amazon is not as detail-oriented as we would hope they would be, which makes it a bit more frightening when we get answers from seller, um, seller support. It, it's, um, there was a poll, I don't know if everybody saw it yesterday, that how confident, it, to paraphrase, how confident are you that you get correct and consistent answers from seller support? That was like the poll. Um, and boy, uh, yeah, I, whatever the lowest one was, like, no way can I trust this, or whatever their choice was is what I picked, because I don't trust any of it. I do not trust what they say. I do not trust that they are consistent. I do not trust that they know the rules, because I have caught them in saying stuff that we know is blatantly untrue, you know? So, um, so there you go. Uh, that's my little rant about Amazon one hand not knowing what the other is doing, one department not knowing what the other is doing. Um, I did manage to collect some business cards from the people who were working the tables um, or the booths or whatever you want to call them. They were, you know, to get questions answered. So I don't want to post them in the group, um, but if you have a specific department on Amazon that you need help with, Send me a private message, um, like Alps Brand Registry person. Um, send me a private message, and I'll see if I have a contact that might be able to help. Um, but please don't share these names and emails anywhere else. Um, it's kind of a benefit of the group, and we don't want these people to all of a sudden be inundated with thousands of messages um, because they'll just change their email address, and then we'll be stuck with nobody again. So we don't want to get to that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what a couple of the, um, the Amazon leadership team um, said about things uh, we should do. I, I, Adrian, who was the, the seller support guy, um, the one thing he reiterated, and I think um, that we have been seeing all along, uh, is that there's, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect listing. Um, and there is always something that can be fixed on a listing. He suggests that you regularly review your listings and bring them up to scratch. Um, and I think that's, that's a great idea. I've been saying fix at least one listing a day, and I've been trying to do more than that, um, especially listings where idiots have been involved and put my – they moved my 50 SKU knitting bag listings I have 50 SKUs of these, this brand and knitting bag. They moved them to automotive. Now, who the heck did that? So the fact that they're automotive, while well, people searching by the brand name, they'll probably find them. But the fact is the automotive page looks far different from the arts and crafts page. And at the top it asks, what vehicle are you looking for parts for? You know, and the bullet points disappear and all sorts of stuff. So, um, 
so so my goal today is to get all those 50 moves back. And the the funny thing is, this company has gone out of business. And um, I met her at a trade show like two years ago and kind of hit it off. Um, her daughter's name is Charlene, so that helped. And um, she has moved and has decided to close down this business of making these bags. And they were made in Brooklyn. Um, she lived in Manhattan. They lived in Brooklyn. She's since moved to Wisconsin um, just because she feels it's a better place to raise her daughter. And she decided she just didn't want to do the business anymore. She, they've been around like 15 years, and she's just like burned out. So um, I sent her an order, and I got a message back, a reorder, saying, sorry, the business is closed. Um, you know, I just couldn't do it and all of that. So I called her up, and I said, hmm, Jennifer, I said, do you have any bags left, like, you know, that I could just buy what you have left? She says, no, but we have fabric in the factory. And it's a factory that uses um, uh, disabled workers um, who they taught a skill and they're making these bags there, which I think is a great thing too. She says, I, I still have a lot of fabric in the factory, but, you know, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, can you make me 12 of each of the bags? And there's like 50 different SKUs. Um, and she says, yeah, I probably have enough for that, and that will probably much clean me out. So I had her make them all, and they came last week. Um, and some of them I got like nine, and some I got 11, you know, because there wasn't enough fabric to do more. But, um, but the cool thing is, so whoever moved all these things to automotive thinks they're being real clever. Well, they're getting moved back to arts and crafts, and I know they can't get them anymore because I got the last of the fabric, and the business is closed. And, and um funny that I got a feedback on him a couple weeks ago. said, I bought one of these bags 10 years ago and wanted to replace it. I'm so glad they're still around. Well, you know, I'm kind of hoping she needs more soon because they won't last all that long. But uh, it was like $8,000 worth of bags and uh, not that much space, thank goodness. They fit in four, like, 16-cube shipping boxes because they packed down really, really um, small. They, um, they're made of ripstop nylon, so they pack down really small. But um, hopefully I'll move through them this uh, fourth quarter, but we'll see. But that's kind of the thing about watching, watching those listings and fix them and get them in the right category because even if people can find them in the wrong category, each category has a different layout of the page. They show different things. The title links are different in categories. The bullet points things are different. So, um, so definitely, as Ellie says, yeah, check the browse tree and your categories. Because new categories are added, like I, um, some bead cord, the category changed um, to like, I can't even remember what it was, but it was called bead cord. Now it's something, something, and beading cord. So you have to move it into the right category. It's just kind of hanging out there in limbo. So, so the no such thing as a perfect listing. As an aside, um, I'm working on um, Upwork, which used to be Odesk, I believe. Um, and um, I'm looking for someone who will do keyword research because I hate doing it. I re that's like the thing I hate most. I'd rather pack boxes and do keyword research. So I'm trying to find somebody that I can like do, have them do one product and see how they do and then give this person's name to you guys if you want to use someone to do keyword research. Um, you work through, um, they, they range in price from five to about $11 an hour, but one guy says he can do three an hour. So you know, if it's a product that you're replenishing, like knitting needles, I think I just need somebody to do the keyword research once on that, and then I'm pretty good to go for the most part. So that's, that's a nice thing. If you can, you know, get your keyword research done on a product line for $3 and then reuse it and reuse it, I think that's a really good use of, of time and money. So we'll see how it goes. Most of the guys, um, and it's all, been all guys who've answered the ad so far, are based in um, Bangladesh or India. Um, there's one guy who was based in the UK who had an inexpensive rate but having re read between the lines, he's a guy who just brokers to other guys in India, and I would rather just talk to the source instead of talk to a middle person. Um, 
on that kind of thing. I have found that they are very focused on getting your product on the first page of your chosen keyword. And it's, it's a bit more difficult to explain, no, I want 100 of the most relevant and useful keywords that I can put in the search terms box on Amazon. So it's a bit of a learning curve, so we'll see. So, um, so Nicole just registered and got her DUNS number from the beginning of the podcast till now. Well done, Nicole. Um, so next thing to do is change your Amazon account to a business seller account. And then the third thing is to then add your credentials. I will, um, you can find out to do the, um, the business change to business seller pretty simply. I will put the link, if you remind me, um, I'll put the link for the credentials um, in, the, um, in the group. Um, Alp, I can't get to it right now, but I think it's on like account settings page. I think that's where it is where it is, but if you can't find it, send me a message and I'll post it in the group because I probably won't remember all these things I'm supposed to do when we're done. So we've got our listings fixed. Um, the, the thing that they are, um, that they are um, working on, as I said, is that, um, and it was kind of now that I read my notes here, maybe we should have seen um, what was coming with all these brands um, all of a sudden instantaneously locked down. Because my handwritten notes here on Adrian says, Brand Central will lock down listings, dash coming. So meaning they're thinking about it. And we all kind of looked at it as a, or we, I say I, looked at it as a big positive. And I think Martha was sitting next to me, and she did too, because she's purely wholesale sourcing too, and that would be really good. Now looking back, that was kind of the warning flag that Nike and all these other brands that people are now being caught up on who are doing retail arbitrage um, are, are suffering from. Um, and Ellie, I don't know if you had that note written down too. It was from Adrian's thing. And now that I look back at it, it's like, oh, my gosh, there it was right there. We just didn't see how it would be coming. You know, we looked at it in a different way at least. Um, yeah, for the personal branding thing, that's exactly what, how I read it too. Or like I have an exclusive from my supplier in Israel, so I could lock that down since I have the exclusive. That's, that's how I took it. it because I don't, my mind doesn't work on the retail arbitrage front, um, I, it didn't even you know, really cross my mind about how it would affect all the retail arbitrage people as it is now. Um, and we've been seeing... Um, that's the royal we. We've been seeing um, lots of suspensions in the past couple of days over inauthentic claims on some of these big-name brands. So just be very careful. Keep working on getting your wholesale sources. Build those relationships. Um, yes, the profit margin or the margin can be smaller on wholesale. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but it is a far safer route to go far safer, more sustainable. Those of you who've been listening to to me for two years now, this podcast is almost two years old, um, and um, been listening to me on Thrifting for Profit, I've been saying it is the way to go in the future, and it, it has now been proven out years ago. I did a podcast for Chris Green probably six or seven years ago, maybe six years ago, and it was a big deal because I was sourcing wholesale. And nobody, not nobody, but the people in the groups weren't doing it then. And I said, it really is, it's the future of Amazon. You know, and I was, I was called stupid for doing it. Oh, you're just wasting your money. You need to do retail arbitrage. Well, I still believe that we have to move to wholesale or um, invent your own product and get it out there. You know, that kind of thing if you want to be an inventor. I don't think the private labeling from China generic stuff is going to last because just because, and I'll say it again, just because you put your name on it doesn't mean you built a brand. That means you have a brand. It doesn't mean anybody knows your brand. It doesn't mean anybody cares about your brand. A brand is something that people recognize and choose to buy because of that name, quality, product associated with it. It's not just putting a name on something. It's not. It's not doing it. And um, 
you know, just li- just listen to Marcus Lemonis on the Prophet or the the guys on Shark Tank or Dragon's Den, and and they will say, well, I want a million dollars for my company because I have a brand, and they'll look at it and say, no, you don't have a brand because nobody knows it. So yeah, you have a name on your product, but it's and it's a brand name, but it's not what the business world thinks of as a brand. A brand is when I'm going to go buy a knitting needle, I buy a particular brand because that's the one I want. I don't buy it just because I went to China and bought a a container of bamboo knitting needles and I'm putting my name on them. Um, So, um, and Ed makes a really good part. I don't want to deal with China Direct if I don't have to. That's the thing is why not, if you want to start a brand, look for manufacturers in the U.S. because there's tons of them. There are tons of small mom and pop manufacturers who know how to make products, but they don't know how to market them, or they don't want to, or both. Um, they don't want to be bothered with Amazon. They just want to make stuff. You know, we want to make stuff and, and have other people sell it for it. Those are the best kind. Um, Ron's biggest supplier is a company in Washington State that makes their own products. And they have a brand that is recognized in their field. People know this name who are in this particular um, niche um, of products. And they have no desire to sell retail anywhere, anyhow. They want to make the products. The guy who owns the company wants to invent new stuff and all of that, and they want other people to do the retail. That's the kind of people you need to find. Not, not yoga mats or garlic presses or whatever the latest thing is from China um, to put your name on it. So... Um, the um, I'm going to stick on Adrian's page, the seller support guy. Um, he said um, that you have to prepare early. Um, you have to prepare early for the big sales daily, days: um, Black Friday, Prime Day, Cyber Monday, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, very clear to have that stuff in there um, early and ready. And he says his words and I put them in quotes here, where delight and surprise your customers, whether that be with new products or with good prices or whatever. Um, so be aware of that as you're, you're building your inventory for Q4, which will be here in 23 days. 23 days. Um, let me backtrack a minute. Alf, I didn't realize you didn't have a professional selling plan. Um, you do have to be a professional seller. So... The, the, the cutoff for me is if you sell 40 products a month or more, you must have a professional selling plan because it ends up costing you nothing. If you sell less than 40, it becomes a question to you about, about that. Oh, you do have a pro account. Okay. So you're just saying that people are required to have one. Okay. And um, Kathleen got her women-owned business registration. Yay. Excellent. So... Um, that's great. And I think Nicole was off doing hers, too. Um, she's working on the credentials now. So, um, yeah, the, the certification will show up on a page where you have the buy box. Um, it'll, say, um, it'll say underneath, um, small, mine says woman owned small business, under where it says sold by blah, 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 and shipped by Amazon, right under that line, it'll say it there. Um, Ellie, I was told by the guy, Ellie wrote in the group, I believe that Amazon checks your certification. I was told by the guy at the table that right now it's what he called self-certify. And that means, um, within, and he said within the next three to six months, they will, um, that they will start checking. Or, or people who will apply will have to have the certification through at SAMS, the Small Business Administration stuff. He said right now it's um, sort of, it's called self-certified. And he intimated, but it could change, that you will be grandfathered in if you self-certify. But when they get to the point where they check certification, the newbies will have to provide that certification. So that was my understanding. Um, it could change. Who knows? But that's what he led us, and that's why he led us to believe, and that's why he said it's important to do it now. So Nicole just said the only certification she was asked for was a DUNS number. 
Um, you know, I, I, so we'll see. Uh, right now you're in. And it took a few hours um, for my thing to show up on, on the pages where I had the buy box of small business owned um, or woman owned small business thing. took a couple hours for it to show up. So don't, don't worry. Check it later today and see um, if it happens to show up. Um, let's see. Okay, I'm moving to the next page. Um, I have, which I don't think we've talked about, um, is um, uh, box level contents. And I've been shipping every day for the past couple of weeks. Um, sometimes I've shipped twice a day because I got a box done and then another shipment came in, so I made an, you know another wholesale order. Um, so, um, so the box contents thing, I have to tell you, having shipped every day, it seems like every time I go to ship, the layout of the page changes. So don't panic if it looks different every time. That's Amazon messing around. It's also now showing on that, if you have more than one box, an estimate of what your fees will be if you don't provide it. And that's kind of like a, ooh, wake-up call. Because I sent a shipment out yesterday that was two boxes, and um, I wanted to see what happened if I didn't do it. So I didn't do it, and it said, your fees would be $10.75 for this shipment if you don't provide this information after November 1st. So it does kind of give you a wake up. I thought, well, shoot, for 10 bucks, I can tell you what's in the two boxes, you know, kind of thing. Um, so be aware that you should be getting in the habit of doing it now. And however, you need to set up your workspace um, to be able to do it, um, do it. Be aware that that page will change all the time. It'll look one way, then it'll look another. Um, other shipments, I didn't get the estimate. Um, so craziness. So it, that's Amazon at work, changing things, working on it as we get there. But start working on a, um, a policy or a workflow where you can do it. For me, most of my shipments are one box, so it's not that big of a deal. And if they're more than one box, it usually means the second box has six or eight of what I consider a big product in it, and it's quite easy to do. That Those six or eight in, are in box one, and then everything else is in box two. So whatever it takes for you to be able to set up your workflow so you can provide this, um, I think it's really important because if you throw away $10 on every, every shipment you ship in um, because you haven't provided it, that's, that's coming right out of your profit. You know, that's just money you're throwing away when you could fix it. Um, so be aware that it's coming. Get in the practice of doing it. Um, so. Um, the one thing that I have on my notes here about it, if you, um, if you um, sell things with expiration dates, so if you sell food or makeup or something that has expiration dates, you, will need, you need separate boxes for each expiration date. So you cannot mix expiration dates within a box. Um, so that's, that was one issue that people brought up doesn't affect me because I don't sell anything expires, but it will affect people who sell in health and beauty and grocery for sure. So be aware of that and, and work that into your workflow. Um, as we've talked about a thousand times, the only constant thing is Amazon is it will change. Um, and Amazon is that, that kind of company that changes something and then works out the bugs after they've changed it. You know, I mean, we've seen that with lots of stuff that they, they will change things. You know, you wake up one morning and something's changed on Seller Central that you had no clue was going to change. Like this whole liquidation thing, you know, instead of removing, um, removing stuff that um, maybe they should have told us that there was an option. Well, the only reason I saw it is because somebody posted it somewhere else. So, um, so interesting thing that we need to be aware and plan. So um, so another person um, posted about a marketing plan or posted, talked about a marketing plan for the holiday season. I think they were a bit late in what they said. So I can tell you what I said um, and what 
what they said. They say um, they said start in July if you work with wholesalers. Um, that could be true or false. It could be that you need to start in January for Q4 if you work with certain wholesalers who only make enough to f- fulfill the orders they get. So um, for others, it could be you don't need to order stuff until far later. So that's where knowing your, knowing your suppliers works. And they, she said in September, do your marketing plan, which I think um, is fair enough. Figure out what products you're going to promote. Are you going to do any lightning deals? Are you going to do sponsored product ads? Um, what are you going to do? She says in October you buy the items, and in November you ship them to Amazon. I think that is way too late. I want to have a vast majority of my stuff at Amazon by the end of this month um, because people are buying for Christmas and, and Hanukkah already. So don't miss the boat. And Because in, if you ship in November and you get stuck in that warehouse transfer hell, your products aren't going to be there in time for Christmas buyers. Um, So I think really that this next three to six weeks is the time when you really have to get your inventory in. Get it there. Get it available. Give it time to get moved around. Don't wait till the last minute. Um, I am not one who shops for, you know, the, the latest toy at all the Walmarts in town and sends them in at the last minute. Um, And I'm hoping you guys don't have to do that either. So let's get your stuff done early and get it in. And then you can work on, if necessary, replenishing. But if you've gotten the vast majority of what you think will sell, and you can look at last year's sales by ASIN um, to see how many of these did I sell last, last third quarter. And you think, well, it's still a good product. It's a steady product. Um, People will still be buying it. You may want to bump it up by 10%, um, especially if you ran out of stock. Um, I had Ron do this exercise um, this weekend. His best-selling product, he buys by the pallet. There's 288 units on the pallet. Um, And I said, how many did you sell last? He says, how many should I reorder? Because he's, he ran out yesterday, and the next shipment won't be at Amazon till Friday, so he's lost three days. I said, how many did you sell last fourth quarter? And he didn't know. And I said, well, here's how you find it. There's a sales by ASIN report, and you can just pick the ASIN you want. He found out he sold over 1,000 of these products in the last, in fourth quarter last year. And he says he remembers he was out of stock for a while. So I said, you know, does that tell you how many you need to order to get in there now if you sold 1,000 and there's 288 on a pallet? I think we need to be ordering some more pallets of those things. Um, So be aware on those products that are regular sellers that you can find out and predict a little bit about about what you can can buy. Um, The... um, Someone at the conference, I don't have it written down, says she buys three to five times her normal sales amount for Q4 um, on regular selling products. And I think that's fair enough. I kind of, I think I do about three to four, so that seems fair enough. But you also have to, um, you have to um, be aware if the product velocity is slowing down or if it's steady. With this particular product of Ron's, it's really steady. Um, he's been selling it for ages, and it just keeps ticking and ticking. And it's a replenishable product. It gets used up, which is even better. So um, so be aware of that with your inventory. It's time to get it in. There is no more, no more I'll think about it tomorrow. It's really time to get it in. Um, I don't remember if we talked about um, Seller Fulfilled Prime last time. Um, If we didn't, someone let me know in chat, and I will talk about it now. Um, It's a a new program where you basically guarantee that you will ship the item so the buyer gets it within two days. Um, And you can specify, specify by zone based on your shipping um, which buyers will qualify for that. So if you live in California and know you can't get products to Ellie in New Jersey in two days, 
then you can rule out, you know, the Northeast as one of the seller fulfilled prime, um, the seller fulfilled prime things. Um, it puts a lot of pressure on you as a merchant fulfilled seller to do it. I have to be honest, Ellie, correct me if I'm wrong, from being, talking with people in the group, there's a Facebook group for people who went to the Amazon conference. Very few people are taking advantage of this. Um, and I, I think if you sold, um, you know, like stuff that was hard to get into Amazon um, for whatever reason, maybe big and bulky or whatever, where you don't want to send it into Amazon, but you still want prime buyers to be able to get it, and you know you can get it to the buyers in that time, maybe worth it. Um, for me, it's not because all my stuff's easy to ship in. I mean, gosh, I ship to an oversized warehouse probably once every 50 shipments, you know, so not a not a big deal. Um, so um, if you have more questions about that, about seller fulfilled prime, there is um, there are links in Seller Central about it, giving more details and everything. Um, the um, the uh, seller panel was made up of, um, I think it was four, four women, three of them who owned their own brand and one who sold um, cosmetics because she was really, that was her love was cosmetics. She said she just loved it. Um, so, so they focused a lot on protecting your own brand and the kind of things a brand owner would need to do. Um, the Amazon Exclusives Program, um, and there was a woman, I know I talked about her last year, um, Cielo, or last podcast, Cielo Pillholder. She made little and her stainless steel things to put on a keychain or on a pendant um, that carries a little bit of medication with you all the time. Um, She's the Amazon exclusives, which means her product only sold on Amazon. Um, but interesting thing that was brought up is now Amazon is selling kind of a white label pill holder. Um, two weeks after the conference that came out, which is kind of like, you can't trust anybody, you know? It will, they will do what they do, and the people probably doing this have no idea that, that this one side of Amazon loves her because she was the... Um, the interviewer for the Amazon leadership team. So they obviously like her, um, but the people who were doing the purchasing for the retail side, as we said last week, marketplace is one side, retail is the other, have no idea that, that Amazon likes her. And they say, oh, yeah, she's selling lots of those pill holders. Look at the rank on those. We're going to get some made in China, and we'll sell them. That's what happened. You know, that's that Amazon, one hand not knowing what the other is doing. I mean, she could have been um, best friends with um, – um, Jeff Bezos, and they probably wouldn't know because one hand doesn't know what the other's doing. So, um, so yeah, so it's it's a um, dog eat dog world in part of that. So let me get back to my notes here. Um, Cynthia Williams um, was um, part of the Amazon leadership team, um, and she her um, her whole focus was on expanding marketplaces, pushing global a lot. Um, so a couple things, if you have not signed up for global export on Amazon, global export, do it. Because it costs you nothing. You don't have to do anything but upload a JPEG of your signature, and then you can sell certain of your products, which, whichever Amazon deems that are sellable, um, internationally. And it, it's nothing, it doesn't cost you anymore, nothing. So... Um, I just had something sell to South Africa, um, which is pretty unusual because I don't sell to South Africa very often on eBay, let alone on Amazon. But costing nothing is called global export. Sign up to that. That's far different than you taking your products and sending them to Amazon warehouses in other countries. It's a way to um, it is a way to sell some of your products internationally without having to deal with the um, the whole issue of sending to another warehouse. Um, Nicole just posted, she signed up for Global Extrovert. She's gotten a separate invitation to join Amazon Japan. And then it, mine got cut off. It says, any idea about? About what? But I don't know what any idea about it. Um, my feeling is, having gone through the, the experiment of selling on Amazon 
www.ghostbusters.co.uk is unless you have um, totally wiped out all your possibilities in the U.S., I would not recommend it. Um, oh, what is involved? In Japan, I don't know. I can tell you what's involved in U.K., and this will probably give you an idea that it's similar. Um, to sell in the U.K., I did get a VAT number, pain in the rear. It's like a sales tax number, but way more complicated because we are not British, we don't live in the UK, all of that. So you're a foreign company and all that kind of stuff. So I had to get a VAT number, and I actually hired someone to do it because as much as I can handle paperwork, this one was just beyond me. And you register with HMRC, which is like our IRS, Her Majesty's Revenue Collection, I think it stands for, HMRC. Um, So you have to do that. And then you have to physically um, make the listings on that site. Um, We were told that they are working on international listing tools. That's what I have in my notes here from her. But it doesn't like automatically take your listing from U.S. and put it on Japan or U.K. or whatever. Um, They said they're working on it. It could show up tomorrow because that's how things happen. So I paid a VA to take 50 of my listings off Amazon.com and move them to Amazon.co.uk. And then I had to ship the products to to the UK. Um, They all went to one warehouse in Scotland, which was not a big deal. But for me, because I live in a very rural area, it was difficult to ship internationally at a reasonable cost. I could have just shipped them UPS, and it would have cost a ridiculous amount. But DHL was the least expensive way to send them to the UK by like, 10% of the UPS cost, substantial difference. So what I had to do, because we don't have DHL service here in Jackson, if somebody sends me something DHL, it goes to Denver, which is the closest DHL hub, and then it gets put in the mail stream, and it gets mailed to me the last 500 uh, miles from Denver. So I had no way of shipping out DHL from Jackson. Um, I had to put it in a second box, um, address it all like it's going to the UK through DHL. I opened up a DHL account, went through all that. I put it in a second box and UPSed it to a UPS store in Salt Lake City, which also handled DHL. And then they just opened that box and took that DHL box inside and put it in the DHL stream. Of course, I talked to them on the phone about doing this and all of that. So, So that was the difficulty, I think. So Japan, another difficulty, the whole language barrier. Not just, not just a different language, a different alphabet. Um, so that one would scare the bejesus out of me just because of the language issue. I think if you're going to start, um, you need to start in UK where at least the language is um, relatively similar to American English, where you don't have to worry about translating um, in Japanese, answering customer inquiries that come into you in Japanese, um, responding to feedback, negative feedback that comes in in Japanese and you have to do all that. That's the part that unless you have a dedicated Japanese speaker or, you know, uh, that, would, um, that would be difficult. So um, I, my advice, just make sure you max out the U.S. first before you move somewhere else. Um, you know, make sure you've got as many products as you can gather um, and and do that first unless, and here's the unless, unless you have one particular product that is not on, say, Amazon.co.uk, not on Amazon UK, and you have an exclusive for it, and it is, you can tell your sales rep has told you, God, people in the UK want this, and it's really hard to get and all that, then I think that may be a time to move. But realize the, the tax filing stuff is a pain in the UK, I hired somebody to do it because it was like the worst thing in the IRS. Um, And um, it's not as easy as people will make you see. It's tedious paperwork. It's not like it's physically hard or mentally hard. It's just lots of paperwork and details to deal with. So so anyway, back to the the woman whose thing was global. Um, Let me get it. So she said that they are working on building an international listing feature which I would hope to mean that you could take a listing from Amazon.com and move it over to other sites um, and have it translated also into the native language. So, um, so you list 
something on Amazon.co.uk, and it gets translated in, into Italian for .it and .de. It gets translated in German. I mean, let's hope that they will um, get there. There is a thing called the pan-European option that she mentioned um, that um, it will sell in all five countries that Amazon uh, sells in in Europe and they will move it around to the warehouses where they see fit. Um, so it's, it's something to look at if you, um, if you decide to move into international. One thing she was very clear, because I have it written down here, is the Canada.ca and .mx, Canada and Mexico, are not nearly as robust as, as the European options. Um, just basically based on numbers and economies. You know, Canada has a relatively small population for the size of the country, so that means there's less buyers, which means they buy less stuff. Mexico has lots of people, but a lot of them are economically disadvantaged who are not want to buy on Amazon.mx. So a couple issues involved there. Um, she did say, uh, no, Scott said, um, another one of the guys um, on the leadership team said, um, Again, reiterate, look at Seller University, and I actually started looking at it, and some of it's pretty decent. I'm working on the sponsored products part of it right now. So I think, you know, if you've got mindless work you're doing and can put that on, even in the background, something I like stick in your head if you hear something and, and, um, and be, able to, um, be able to pick up tips and hints and all of that. I'm working on the whole um, manual keyword thing where um, the woman at the table told me about doubling down on the keywords that people are, use, are using the search and actually buy your products. She said double your bids on those particular words. So that's what I'm working on, on my ad things. So, so I bid a nickel on pretty much everything. She said on the words where people are actually searching on that word and then buying the product, bid a dime on those words, which I think was really good advice. That didn't dawn on me about changing the bid on certain words. So um, so um, the seller dashboard um, is supposed to change in October, so be aware of that. This is something they actually warned us about, so it probably will never change um, since we got a warning. It will, um, you'll see all of things that are affecting your metrics, and you can build a plan from what you see on the dashboard. Um, I hope this is not a big issue for people who are listening. I don't think it is because we don't get a lot of uh, posts in the group about issues about this, so good on you guys. Um, another thing, they're coming out with a seller handbook. Um, maybe that has to do with that poll I got that said, are things consistent? Um, you know, things aren't even consistent on the Amazon website from one part to another. That This hand doesn't know what that's doing. So, I think, God, I would hate to be on the team who's doing the seller handbook. I really would. Can, can you imagine pulling all those disparate parts and trying to get them consistent? But maybe if there's a seller handbook, we can go to that book and know, and I'm using air quotes here, we can know that's the right answer. Let's hope so. Um, uh, yeah, Alp, it'll become outdated the moment it comes out. Well, that's kind of, yeah, that would be Amazon's big, big problem in doing it. But I think we need one place where we can go for an answer. Because I bet if I pose a problem to the people who are listening now, we could find three different answers to that same question just on Amazon. I'm not talking about Facebook groups or any of that. On Amazon's help pages, we could find three different answers. Um, so obviously they recognize um, that that's an issue. Um, to reiterate, they want us to report abuse. Um, Cynthia was very clear about that. And you do it in Seller Center through Contact Us, Report a Violation. That is, you don't open a basic seller support ticket, just do the report of violation. They have a special team that works on those. You will never hear, um, you will never hear the answer to those, but hopefully you would see results by, your, by looking back at whatever it is you reported, but they'll never answer you and tell you what they did. Um, that's just not how Amazon works. eBay doesn't even tell you what they did when you report stuff. Like, you know, I've reported buyers for obvious abuse of return policies. You know, they buy something, return it, 
buy it again and return it before you have time to block them. And well, we can't block Amazon sellers, so um, they want reports. Um, they have a whole team working on buyer abuse, they said, which is good to hear. Um, those, um, those people who, you know, buy Christmas ornaments and then return them January 1st kind of people and say, oh, they were defective. Oh, they were defective because they were on your tree all holiday season. But anyway, um, so we are out of time. I, I don't know if we have enough to continue this um, on another podcast, but we can certainly continue it in the group. Um, remember, if you need contacts or have problems, send me a private message, and I'll send you what I have stored up in my little, my little Amazon Marketplace notebook here. They did have good swag. Um, Ellie's daughter wore around a T-shirt that I think it was from, was it exclusive or sponsored products, Ellie? Really nice T-shirt. It's like really, really good T-shirt material. Not some cheap, cheap old thing, really high quality. But um, we've got some swag to give away at the, um, the Livenar next week. That's our new term, thanks to ALP, um, for the seminar, webinar, TV shows, podcast, whatever it is, the livenar, because nobody's using the word livenar. So it's a live seminar, livenar. Um, we've got stuff to give away. We've got Amazon swag to give away um, to the people who listen live to the livenar next week. It's all about numbers. In fact, it's called Know Your Numbers. And we are going to talk about the numbers you need to know, the num- how to find the numbers you need to know, how to do the math to get to the number you need to know. Um, and then um, some one big, I, I actually did PowerPoint slides for this too because it's math and you've got to have the visual, you know, just saying it sounds good. So I've been working on a PowerPoint on how to figure out how much you need to sell each month to make what you want to take home each month. And boy, it is, um, it's a good one because I wrote it out and then I gave it to Ron. I said, okay, does this make sense? And he goes, yeah, it makes sense, but I can't explain how it makes sense. I said, okay, that's a problem because we've got to explain how it makes sense, you know. And um, so we'll, that one's a big one we're working on. So you can figure out, if I want to take, take home 4000 bucks a month, here's the things you need to plug in to figure out how to get there. And I think that one will resonate with a lot of people, including me, because um, it, it's, um, it's, it's eye-opening to see how, what the numbers you have to do. So... Um, the math stuff will probably be old hand to all of you, especially those who did the basic math class in Thrifting for Profit. But I have to tell you, I'm going to include it because I watched this show on BBC, uh, on, on BBC UK, not BBC America, called The Job Interview. And it was people who went in to a particular company and they, they like, picked the top three um, people from the CVs, the resumes, um, to interview for this job. And then they filmed the interview. And one of the questions, a woman who, she ran um, what in England is called a stately home, so a big fancy place like, you know, Downton Abbey or something, that was open for events. It was a wedding venue and all that kind of stuff. And so she was looking for a marketing manager for this thing. And the interesting thing was she asked them to figure out what percent of 63 is 47, okay? And she handed them a calculator. And they had the top three people interviewing for this job based on their resumes. And do you know not one person could do it not one per- with a calculator? So we're going to review that just so you can be confident that you know how to do that kind of stuff because that's, we learned it, you know, in me in high school like 10 years ago, you know, so it was a long time. Um, and it's not something you use in everyday life, but you certainly use it in business. So we're going to review a little that. And um, we'll have prizes and giveaways, and we'll have fun stuff. And um, and whether if there are enough questions, we'll have a second one about numbers and all that kind of stuff. Um, we'll see. But I think it's important for us to do. It makes you go back and review stuff. It made me go back and kill a bunch of products I was selling that I was making like three cents each on. You know, like well, that's dumb. You know. Um, so it just makes you more aware, and it makes you feel empowered because you are empowered. If you know exactly where you stand, um, you will feel much more confident in your business. So, um, so there you go. So that's a week from today at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, which is 6 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. 
So you want to be there live because we'll we'll be there for questions. Um, oh yeah, there's Deborah. Yeah, remember our basic math classes? Um, that business math we had in thrifting for profit a couple of years ago. That was fun. Um, and um, I must say that people got sidetracked with with adding things to equations that weren't asked. Um, that's a fatal error in school. You've got to just answer the question that was asked. Don't give me all this other stuff. So we'll be there with these questions and a real PowerPoint demonstration and um, all sorts of stuff. So thank you guys for joining in. If you have any more questions about the women's conference, um, Ellie's in the group. She was there. Martha's in the group. She was there. Sherry was there. Jennifer was there. Um, gosh, I can't remember who. There's, oh, God. Sherry was there. Did I miss anybody, Ellie? trying to look at the picture in my head of all the people. There were six of us there, so just ask um, for clarification or any of that kind of stuff. So we, Deborah and I will be on Thrifting for Profit in 54 minutes um, here on TalkShoe, so be sure to join us then. I have no idea what we're talking about, but I'm sure it'll be good because um, sometimes our best podcasts have come about where we just like talk about what's going on in the Amazon world. So thank you guys for joining me, and we'll see you next week on the Livenar. Bye-bye now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.